Listen, you guys are in luck today because uh, no long-winded sermon. I uh, just want to talk. Now, there's going to be a lot of Scripture because we don't do any talking without Scripture. But I had three people just last week ask me because of the 40 days of uh, prayer challenge, what, what's your prayer life? What's it like? What do you do? How'd you set that up? Now, some of you have been around here a long time. You already know that, but I love talking about it. So that's what we're going to do today. And I'm going to start with something I know for sure. Now, listen, a false humility is so unattractive. So I'm not going in that direction. I'm telling you as honestly as I can. I do not have now and never have had in the past. This is funny, by the way. Uh, an arsenal of gifts and talents and special wisdom from God. I just don't. I, I just never have. But what I do have now and have had for a better part of 30, 40 years is an unbelievable prayer life. And that prayer life has got me through some gut-riching personal problems. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that prayer life has weathered the storm with me through the loss of my dad and my mommy and my father-in-law, some key people in my life. And that prayer life has kept Angie and I in the ministry several times. Because, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but just because you're at the same ministry for almost three and a half decades, it doesn't mean it's all rosy. It hasn't been all rosy. And that prayer life has got me through that. But one more thing, one more big thing, that prayer life has caused me to be in this great ministry for all these years. It has caused me to have an unbelievable group of friends that would die for me and vice versa. Uh, deep friendships over the years and my family and my wife, which is my favorite thing. And I'll tell you why I know that's true. Uh, Again, no false humility. It's just the truth. Uh, I I know who Jim Cain is in the flesh. There's a different guy in the flesh. You you wouldn't want to hang out with me in the flesh. I got a sharp tongue. I got a bad attitude. But if you take that same person and put him in a room every morning for an hour or two with Jesus, which happens, trust me, every day. I don't miss a day. And then you take that same person and set his watch to go off every hour, all day, every day to remind him to turn back into Jesus Christ. Well, now you're talking about somebody you wouldn't mind hanging out with a bit because Jesus Christ is attractive, period. And if you clothe yourself in him, like the Bible says in Romans 13 and Galatians 3, then you better look out, man, because people will love you. Your spouse will love you. Little kids will love you. My dogs even love me, okay? And it's got nothing to do with me. It's Jesus Christ because people are attracted to Jesus. They always have been. And if you're standing next to him, it's just good. It's just good. Now, that's not the reason I pray, but I'll tell you it's one of the biggest benefits of praying. Fact is, we all know we should be praying, and we're in a time right now where it's got to be going on. I mean, it's, things are ramping up. And I don't care how many 40 days of prayer challenges we have. And I don't care how many sermons I preach to you on how to pray right. Like I know how to pray right anyway. I mean, come on. The bottom line is we need to be praying, right? I mean, it's like everything else in the church and in our family lives. We are note rich and application poor. I mean, do you really need me to preach another sermon on the six ways to pray? Or do you just need to pray? Yeah. Yeah, you just need to pray. Several years ago, uh, John Ortberg, you might imagine, I, I don't know if it's a sermon, it's been so long since I stole this, um, or if it's in a book, but it was on an ordinary day with Jesus, and I'm telling you, it was a life change with me, and I've talked to some of you about this before, 
Uh, but it, it makes a big difference uh, on, on how you go about this walk uh, because sometimes I think we forget. Ha- have you ever done anything on purpose and then after you did it, you knew you'd goofed up, you're probably going to get in trouble, and so your immediate response was, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean, you meant to, but your response was, I didn't mean Anybody do that? Anybody honest? The one? Yeah, bless your heart. Well, some of you have heard my stories of BB guns, and so I won't go into a lot of them, but uh, I shouldn't have had a BB gun growing up. I, I started when I was seven years old, and I should have been locked up. Now, in my defense, things were different back then. You know, the years ago, I used to take, I took my shotgun to school every day. It was in the back window of the car. Things were just different back then. But in my BB gun years, I used that statement a lot. I didn't mean to. Like I told you a story about shooting Willie Haynes out of the, out of the apple tree. I won't tell you the whole story again. But uh, I tell you, I dropped that kid like a 75-pound squirrel out of a tree. And he had it coming. But as soon as he hit the ground, I screamed, I didn't mean to, Willie. Please don't cry. I didn't mean to. I mean, I cocked the gun. I took real careful aim. I held my breath and squeezed the trigger real slowly instead of jerking it. But I didn't mean to shoot you. And then I shot Larry Gregory. He had it coming too because he was squealing on me for shooting Willie Haynes. But again, I said, man, I didn't mean to do that, Larry. The next day I shot the paper boy. He didn't have it coming. I just didn't like him. And that led to a fist fight. So I got in trouble twice for that day, once for fighting and once for shooting a kid with a BB gun. And I got the snot kicked out of me. So it was a bad day. But I remember telling my dad that day too, man, I didn't mean to. And, and the thing is, over time, you use that over time, and sometimes it loses its punch. And then, for, so for example, one time I accidentally shot my sister, Candy, and uh, I know she's watching, so Candy, come on, don't lie about it, you know, <laughs> it was an accident. And um, I shot the, the floor of the garage, and it ricocheted off and hit her on the inner thigh. I thought Willie Haynes was a screamer. Wow. A blood curdling came out of her. You're a big baby, Candy. Anyway, she screamed. My dad come running out of the house. He was furious with me. He wasn't all that upset with the Willie Haynes thing because he didn't like him anyway. But this time I shot my sister and he was ticked off. And I used the excuse because it was true. I didn't mean to. But I'd used it so many times it lost its credibility. You see where I'm going with this? Some of you say, no, I don't. Please make a point because I got guests this morning. Okay, here's the point. My point is when it comes to this praying stuff, and we've been talking so much about it. How many times do you think we're going to get by with telling God I didn't mean to before we lose our credibility? The Bible says, pray continually. We memorized that together just a few weeks ago. And you forgot. The Bible says, pray and don't give up. But you gave up. The Bible says, pray on the spirit, on all, in the Spirit on all occasions. And you just were too busy. The Bible says, pray for each other, help each other, and you didn't. How many times do you think we're going to be able to look at God and say, I know I was supposed to, but I didn't, and I didn't mean to? Folks, we're in a time right now, we've got to be on our knees, corporately as a church, and as families, and innocent individuals. My favorite passage of Scripture, most of you know, is, is John chapter 15, 1 through 17. In the 34 years I've been here, I've preached so many times on that. I'm not going to read it to you. You can pull it up now if you want to on your phone and read it. In a nutshell, it talks about abiding in Christ. 
and being with Christ and spending the day with Christ and praying with Christ. And in that passage, he gives an amazing promise and a pretty sobering uh, warning. The promise is this. If you abide in me and you stay prayed up with me and we're together all the time, you will have an amazing, fruitful life in the kingdom of God. And I can tell you, I can raise my hand this one and put this on a Bible and tell you that's true. You can have nothing else, and if you have that, it's amazing. But he also says, if you don't, if you don't, well, let me just tell you, apart from me, you can do nothing. And eventually, you will wither and die, and you'll be picked up and thrown into fire and burned. We need to be on our knees, and we need to be praying, but more importantly, we need to be with Christ, abiding with Him every day. Now, Ortberg points out that we can spend every day, an ordinary day, all day long with Jesus. And I can give you a little secret here because I found this out 25, 30 years ago. If you can learn to spend one whole day with Jesus, you can spend every day with Jesus. Somebody says, how? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's the first thing you do. You start tomorrow. Let's just start this thing. Let's start tomorrow at the very beginning of the day. But we got to remember that the beginning of our day is different than the beginning of a biblical day. For most of us in here, you start the day when the sun comes up, when your alarm goes off, more importantly, when cloverleaf opens, praise God, you know, that's the day beginning. In the Bible, it's not like that. In the Bible, uh, for example, uh, Genesis 1, verse 5, there was evening and morning the first day, and evening and morning the second day, and third day, and so And so, when does the Sabbath begin? It begins when the sun goes down. So, biblically speaking, tomorrow starts tonight. Why? Because that's when God gets most of His work done in our life, is at night when we're asleep. That's just the way it goes. By the way, anybody else in here have trouble falling asleep? Is it just an age thing? Well, I was reading about that. I know Lori's having. No, I I mean, I was just reading last week. Experts say if you're having trouble in this regards, you just should lie on the very edge of the bed, and eventually you'll fall off. Hmm. Just to sleep, you'll fall off the bed. You know how you get a little alien baby to go to sleep? You rock it. You You know how baby bats learn to sleep? Eventually, they just get the hang of it. I'm going to tell you one more. You know what you, what you call a sleeping woodcutter? That's a slumberjack. Listen, Eugene Peterson says the Old Testament people understood this. They understood that when your mind is clear and your heart is clear and you go to sleep, God starts working. Psalm 127 verse 2 reads, In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, but he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants sleep to those who does. God does. George McDonald says, we go to sleep, we clear our mind, we clear our heart, and God starts working in and working out and getting things into us that He could never get into us in the daytime. And that means our only job to start the day is to go to bed on time, get plenty of sleep, and do it with a clear heart and a clear mind. That's why Paul says, for example, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's Ephesians chapter 4. Just Satan will use anger, bitterness, jealousy, lust. I mean, you name it, if it's bad, he will use whatever we take to bed with us in a real deep way so that we start the day with it the next day. Has that ever happened to anybody? Go to bed mad, you wake up mad. Go to bed bitter, you wake up bitter. You go to bed with bad thoughts, you wake up with bad thoughts. It sets the day. And so our job is to go to bed at night and let the Word of God 
uh, cleanse us like Jesus wants to happen in, in Ephesians chapter 3. Here, here's the problem with that. So much technology. There's always a big game to watch on TV. And they start so late, you can't watch them all. So you watch them all the way up to time, it's time to go to bed. There's always one more thing to look at on the computer, one more text, one more email, one more thing to look on the phone. I tell you, it's so bad. I've heard from people that they even have to record Bachelorette and Desperate Housewives because they didn't have time to watch it. And so they go to bed watching that and go to sleep watching that garbage. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Jesus says, go to bed. You've got to go to bed anyway. Go to bed. Turn off the computer. Shut off the TV. Put the phone down and spend the last few minutes of your day talking to Jesus. Let him clean things up so he can do things while you're sleeping at the night. You've got to go to bed anyway. You might as well go to bed with Jesus. Next day, get up with Jesus. I told you this was simple stuff. Now, I don't know what your routine is. Mine changes with the seasons. I started um, building a fire in the house last week. I'll go to the outdoor boiler here when we get back from vacation. So first thing I do right now is I get up in the morning, I check the fire. Then I feed the dogs. I don't feed cats. Jesus doesn't like cats, and neither do I. So there's no cats at my house. And then um, I get some coffee, and I go in the sunroom 45 minutes to an hour on my days off. It's two, two and a half hours. It's glorious on my days off. And then I get cleaned up and go to work. But you know, there's days when I do that, used to in the past, where I start thinking about what I got to do today. I got to get my sermon done. I got Wednesday night coming up. I got a funeral to do Thursday. I mean, I got three meetings this afternoon. How am I going to get that done? How am I going to pay for that? How am I going to get this done? And, and it's like, I need to take some aspirin to go back to bed. You know what I mean? Well, um, I learned a long time ago, I don't want those to be my first thoughts of the day. So I get up in the morning, I say, Jesus, thank you. I got another day. I, I get to go to work and be with that staff. I love staff. I love them even when they leave. I love them. And I get another day with my family and another day with my wife, my favorite thing. Thank you so much, Jesus. People, I'm just telling you, I think the best spiritual advice we can give each other is that each day, as soon as possible, you get alone someplace and talk to Jesus. And somebody says, man, I'm going to start that tomorrow. I'm going to go uh, two hours tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't try to be a superhero on this thing because you'll never do it. Just start with 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Start tomorrow morning and say, Lord, this is the day the Lord hath made. We've been talking about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to need anything today. I got full protection today. I've got, I don't need any sin substitute today because the Lord's my shepherd. He's going to take everything I need. You got to get up anyway and get up with Jesus. You're probably going to clean up tomorrow. I'll ask you a personal question. Raise your hand if you use soap or deodorant every day. If you don't put them down quick, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy uh, on our bodies that are rotting away right before our eyes. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't clean things up. Please clean things up. I'm just saying we ought to be worried about what's going on on the inside. And I wonder if we are sometimes. There are some people that don't think anything at all about going three, four, five days, maybe a week, maybe two, without ever picking up a Bible. But you would never think of going a week or two without washing your hair, brushing your teeth. Somebody might think you're dirty if you do that. Can I tell you God's concerned with what you look like on the inside? Newsflash, he can tell when you're not clean and so can everybody else. You got to clean up anyway. Might as well clean up with Jesus. 
So tomorrow when you're washing your face, taking your shower, just speak out loud and say, Lord, as this soap and shampoo is cleaning up my body, would you clean up whatever's, whatever's dirty in here? If I got some lust, some bitterness, some jealousy, some anger, some greed going on in here, please wash me. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be whole. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Got to wash up anyway. Might as well do it with Jesus. And then eat your breakfast in the morning with Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. Eat your bread with joy. Eat your bread with joy, man. Start tomorrow with that and say, Lord, thank you for my breakfast. I mean, thank you for this bread. We just prayed or preached last week. Give us this day our daily bread. Look at all the food we got in our house. We don't deserve that. We didn't earn that. It's a gift from God. And just say, thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. These frosted flakes are great. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Lord. These mini wheats, this black raspberry jelly I got from Carrie Dillman is off the charts good. And Lord, I cannot believe Pop-Tarts are, you're a genius, Jesus. S'more Pop-Tarts, are you kidding me? You're going to eat anyway. Riley says you got to eat. You might as well eat with Jesus. And we just learned last week from Matthew 4, 4, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, Romans chapter 8. Sprinkle some of that on your cereal in the morning. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Put some of that on your toast. I will never, ever leave you, never, ever forsake you, God says. So I can say with confidence, the Lord's my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? Chew on that all day at work tomorrow. And then while you're eating your Cocoa Krispies or what, you know what, Cocoa Krispies with sugar pops on top Man, that is so good. But you're eating that as you're reading uh, the newspaper or watching the news. I was telling Regina Cox this morning, it's been 13 months since I've watched a newscast, even local. It makes my smoke come out of my ears. But I got to stay on top of things. So I, Scotty gets me a paper every day. I'm reading the headlines. And, and I get Fox updates on my phone, that kind of thing. But in the morning, talk to Jesus about it. I mean, I have to because Angie's not going to talk to me in the morning. Angie doesn't like me in the morning. Angie doesn't like anybody in the morning. I say, get up, get, wake up, sunshine. She says, shut up. And it's not quite that bad, but I, I talk to Jesus. I read this and I say, are you kidding me? Look what's on the dock at Capitol Hill, Lord. This is going to be huge. Holy Spirit, please do what you do. Your will be done. But man, this has got huge ramifications. You get an amber alert. Pray about it. You're in your spirit. Lord, please be with this family. Help them find their little baby. You're going to watch it anyway? Watch it with Jesus. I'm hurrying, almost done. Good chance you're going to drive someplace tomorrow. Why don't you drive with Jesus? Some of you in here, if you were driving with Jesus, you'd drive a little differently. You know what I mean? Your language would be different. Your, your uh, finger, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be different, you know. Some of you would slow down a little bit, which is good. Because one of the biggest reasons why people don't have a relationship and they're not walking with God is because they're just too busy. Always on the run. Always late. Got to go here. Got to go there. Got to get this done. I'm late for that. And we need to be reminded, listen, nobody ran with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. Moses walked with God. Enoch walked with God. God is not a runner. He's a walker. And some of us just need to slow down. And you can start with your driving in a radical act of obedience tomorrow. Drive the speed limit. Or maybe slower. Are you kidding me? And just speak out loud, Lord, I'm trusting you to drive this car. I'm trusting you to drive my life too. Go to work with Jesus tomorrow. By the way, anything you do tomorrow has value is work. School 
housework, raising the kids, uh, going to the office, if it has value in it, it's work. And you might as well do it with Jesus because that changes everything. I'll give you a big example from me. I don't preach any sermon without asking the Lord if it's okay. And I, I don't know how to explain it. Lori and I watched it for 10 years. Uh, we've, Sarah and I have already seen it. He nudges and, and then he affirms. But I get my okay from him. I ask him, I bet I ask him 20 times if I could re-preach this. I mean, I don't know how long it's been since I've gone through this, Lord. Can I really preach it again? He finally said, preach it and shut up. It wasn't quite that dramatic, but he said, yes, I'll bless it. Get the scriptures and preach it. Here's what happens. If I do that with the Lord and somebody gets mad at me for what I preach or somebody's bored from what I preach, I say, take it up with God. He ran this through with me. You spend a day like that, whatever it is you're doing, you won't go home defeated and bummed out because you did what you were told to do. God had a pattern in his work, if you look at it in the book of Genesis, he would get his work done, and at the end of the day, he'd look at it and say, you know, that's pretty good. I'm going to take a break here, and I'll take it up again tomorrow. And if you do that with, with him and with your work, it'd change everything. Last one, you're going to be around people tomorrow. Next to the last one. Man, you better do this with Jesus. We are in times unprecedented. I, my heart is broken the way we're treating each other. It's broken. I've got people in my family, church family, that can't stand me right now because of my ideas, because of my opinions, because of what I preach. It kills me. And I bet it's going on with you too. And I'm telling you, there's only one way to fix that, and that's linking up with Jesus Christ and asking Him, what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to to talk to them? Do you want me to let this go? Do you want me to... We're supposed to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love each other as ourselves. You can't do that without his help. Somebody says, well, I'm just lucky right now. I don't have any people in my life that are hard to get along with. Good for you. I have a list next door. Come see me. I'll drop you a couple of names and you can practice because there's a lot of it going on. This one's the last one for sure. I put this down here so it's not on you. Something else you're going to do, you might not do it today. You might not even do it tomorrow. In fact, it might be weeks or months before you do this. But you're going to do it. You're going to die. It's appointed unto each man wants to die and in the face of judgment, Hebrews 9.27. The death rate in this country is 100%. You're going to die. Might as well die with Jesus. Because if you don't die with Jesus... The Bible says you will participate in the second death, and that's the bad one. That's a bad one. Never mind hellfire and brimstone. I'm talking about eternity without God, without anything good at all. That's the second death. And if you die without Jesus Christ, that's where you're headed. You've got to die anyway. You might as well die with him. You say, how do I die with Jesus? Well, they asked Peter, what must I do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm suggesting you repent, you're baptized. Now, you all know me well enough to know that that's not a ticket to heaven. Baptism is not your ticket to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But we were told by Jesus to get that done. We receive the Holy Spirit when we get that done. But more than that, it's the only place in the Bible I've ever found where you can actually participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, don't you know that those of you who have been baptized into Jesus have been baptized into his death? You're buried with him in the likeness. You hold your breath. 
for just a minute. You die, I put you in the water, and you're raised to life with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You're going to die anyway. Might as well die with Jesus. We're going to die to ourselves for a few minutes this morning as we think about the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. I see these um, communions on the tables over here because we've changed things up and there's some in the back. Spend some time talking to Jesus this morning and ask him, help me to learn how to live every day with you because I, I really want to because you're all there is. And if you're not a Christian, please come and talk to me.